It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Welcome to Time Enough Podcast. It's where we plunge into episodes of the Twilight Zone and beyond. As always, this is Matt here. Coming back for another round from the Mission Log, the Oroville Podcast, is Mike Richards. Howdy. Howdy, Matt. How are you, sir? Pretty good. I I, I think I got that nice gravel in my voice this morning. Yeah, I got the same thing. I noticed when you said plunge back into it, I was thinking like like the the assassin's knife plunging into a, a dictator's back, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Oh, sorry, I was across I just did the episode of the grave, which has him you know, plunging a, a dagger into the grave. But no, this is just like a rolling out of rolling out of bed, you know, manly voice uh going on here. So yes, I I, I will this is not even my earliest podcasting slot. I've done for people in the UK. I've done six AMs. So, <laughs> oh baby, six AM, and uh, I need to sound coherent about something. I hope you know, <laughs> you know, like a, like a great speaker, like Peter Falk. And today's episode, I will the mirror. do my best, P- Peter Falk, <laughs> Columbo. I kept saying, I kept waiting for him to say one more thing before you go. <laughs> I got one more question. Yeah, yeah, but he he tricks us into thinking he's like Fidel Castro in this one, right, or something like I, that. I thought, you know, I mean, I, it might be a might be a sign of my you know lack of you know cultural nuance or being able to detect cultural nuances. I found him believable. Yeah, sure. Um, and well, I'm about to do trivia here, and the um, it's an interesting mix of people. Is any of them actually uh, Latino? <laughs> I don't know if any of these people are actually Latino. The only other one that maybe <laughs> Arthur Batanidas, but I don't think that's probably the right pronunciation of his name. And I don't even think he made it to my. Oh yeah, yeah, he's the last one. Oh yeah, because uh-huh. at, at the very end, I was sitting there thinking, oh okay, this guy's like Hispanic. I'm like, wait a minute, I just did like seven people here. So <laughs> anyway, I guess I'll, I, I I told you you you'll probably be able to you know get in a little nap during this trivia because we do have so many actors in this that have a yeah we sure do and uh rodolfo hoyos might might answer the answer the mail when you get to when you if if he's made it into the trivia oh yes 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 yeah it's like you know when there's like one main guy and one two three six you know all Uh equally status supporting people it's like well i can't leave anyone out so here we go (laughs) original air date was october 20th 1961 and the script is a serling this is right smack in the middle of director Don Medford's five Twilight Zone episodes. He'll be back in a few weeks for Death's Head Revisited. Fidel Castro, I mean Ramos Clemente, was played by Peter Falk. Peter is best known for his decades-long stint as TV's Columbo, and he appeared in films such as Murder Incorporated, Murder by Death, along with many other non-murder-related films. In 1962, he was the first actor to be nominated for an Oscar and an Emmy in the same year. 
General De Cruz was played by Will Culliva. He doesn't have many professional credits and generally appeared in smaller character actor roles in films like The Spiral Road, starring Rock Hudson, and The Man from Uncle film compilation, The Spy in the Green Hat. Film compilations, and they took, you know, put two a two-parter together and threw it on the big screen. Richard Carden was dear, dear Alessandro. I'm sure I just got that wrong. Okay. The short-lived uh, Alessandro. Thank you. you. Yeah, you did it. Okay. Well, he appeared in many films during the 1950s. He most often went uncredited. So maybe you just like to hang around on movie sets. I don't know. <laughs> Vladimir Sokolov was Father Tomas. He regularly appeared on the stage and his film career tracks all the way back to the silent era. After immigrating to the States in 1937, he was often chosen to represent a myriad of ethnicities and appeared in films such as Road to Morocco, Monster from Green Hell, The Magnificent Seven, and William Castle's Mr. Sardonicus. We've already seen him here in the episode Static, and he'll be back for The Gift. Anthony Carbone was Cristo. His career had him taking on plenty of supporting roles in Roger Corman American International Production productions i wrote aip productions so that means i wrote productions twice okay <laughs> like the pit and the pendulum and a bucket of blood in 1974 he appeared in the last porno flick but i think they kept making those movies anyway garcia was misleading by... name there i know i know it's titillating um, garcia was played by rodolfo hoyos jr the bulk of his career was as a studio genre player in the 1950s with a standout role in 1956's The Brave One. Finally, we've got author Batanides as Tabal. Batanides appeared in a slew of TV guest appearances, mostly westerns and sci-fi, though he wears scientist blue as Diamato in the Star Trek episode, That Which Survives. He gets red-shirted awfully quickly. He'll later appear in the TV in the TV movie Evil Roy Slade and end his career as Mr. Kirkland in four Police Academy movies. So, well, you never know when uh, Lee Merriweather is going to show up and say that she is for you, and and when that happens, it's just uh, it's just time to go. Yeah. So apparently, I guess this is where they take Tackleberry to meet Pops, and and Pops is this guy so <laughs> it's, it's i mean the last time i saw a police academy movie i was like young enough to think it was funny so <laughs> the last one i think i watched was was uh in the in i saw it in a theater and right around 1991 so i think bobcat goldthwaite was involved there were balloons maybe somebody could tell us which which episode that was i think it was probably around four or five no i remember probably two three four maybe five regularly getting the vhs's for as a as a kid but, uh -huh. but not getting the first one much which is the only one that you know might that is generally considered to maybe not be horrible but yeah little little interesting side note on the episode of um that which survives on star trek um story credit by michael richards um not me i wasn't around <laughs> and not the seinfeld actor um that was one of the one of the gnomes de plume that uh dorothy dc fontana would use if she didn't uh, exactly want her name associated with a certain episode, um, and that. it was the it was the name of her two brothers, uh, Michael and Richard, and that's oh, okay. she used that for a, a number of stories. So she basically Alan Smithied that episode. Okay. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I've got the uh, prologue up for you here, so if you'll have a run, you can do your Peter Fogg if you want. <laughs>
Oh, I don't, I don't know that I, uh, I haven't, I didn't practice a Peter Falk. Oh, okay. Uh, I, maybe, maybe you were alluding to that. So maybe, maybe you were just alluding to doing a Serling or not. You yeah. Whatever no, you want. I, th I think I'll, I think I'll try I think I'll try a Serling. Just don't turn on the, the crazy reverby, uh, voice filter that people are going to hear in, in about <laughs> okay. two weeks. Little, little teaser for, for that. Okay. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> this is the face of Ramos Clemente. A year ago, a beardless, nameless worker of the dirt who plotted behind a mule burrowing someone else's land and he looked up at a hot central american sun and he pledged the impossible he made a vow that he would lead an avenging army against the tyranny that put the ache in his back and the anguish in his eyes and now one year later the dream of the impossible has become a fact in just a moment we will look deep into this mirror and see the aftermath of a rebellion in the twilight zone. All righty. Um, we'll throw our observations at the episode. First off, the thing that got me um, was just how they start off. Okay. Here's Fidel Castro. Here's Che, but no, no, it's definitely not. This is central America. This, this is, is not, the central this America. Cuba. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and these are two totally different people, like different names, different, different country. And um, there's the one where someone actually says to him, like, something along the lines of, like, who do you think you are, Fidel Castro? It's like, yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I think I am. Look. And, uh, and again, uh, it's it's a little bit of a low blow to uh, keep citing things you see because you're watching completely crisp Blu-ray. But um, mm -hmm. the, the amount of uh, fake mustache was just amazing. <laughs> As you can see. Okay, yeah, I was watching it. <laughs> yeah, I watched it streaming on Paramount Plus, so I didn't uh, get that same uh, in-your-face kind of fake facial hair. In fact, I even wondered honestly if if Peter Falk didn't grow a grow a beard for the role. <laughs> Apparently, he didn't, though, <laughs> no, according to the Blu-ray. <laughs> uh, I mean, there were there were a few people that seemed to have some real hair, but like if, uh, I just noticed a couple people like, oh, that's definitely an application there. You know, or maybe they like had, had the mustache but not the beard or something. You know, yeah, um, D'Alessandro definitely looked uh, fake, fake beard and mustache. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from from Jump Street, <laughs> um, but Peter Falk looked a little more convincing to me. Then again, like I said, and we've had this, you know, this discussion a number of times with uh, with streaming services, and uh, not to pick on Paramount Plus, but it seems kind of particularly with them that's it's uh, the resolution leaves a little to be desired. Yeah. And, and it, I mean, you know, I watched these a couple of times, so it was like the first time I was not sitting there, like, you know, counting the hairs of a fake beard or anything, you know, maybe that, that was like the third time where <laughs> I was like, hey, let's take a little, a little more of a closer look at this. So. <laughs> but, Good. Yeah. Well, I, I was, I was really, um, I, I love the simplicity of the episode. I mean, everything taking place in one room, right? I mean, this was, this was a one room was did anything happen outside of that room i uh, well that guy fell, uh, fell out of another window but uh yeah. fell out of a balcony like but 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 from that same room right yeah i mean you might see my note twilight so death by window number 47 right <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did see that defenestration <laughs> there's there's one uh what's it i think there's one a few weeks ago where someone's kind of like nearby a window or like Oh, oh, that's another little preview for the midnight sun where someone is like kind of lingering around a window. Like, they're gonna fall out the window. They, they don't, but yeah, <laughs> just assume they're about to. Because don't don't get near a window in the uh, in the twilight zone. Um, yeah, 
But I guess that was a, a good way to, um, you know, offset the budget for all the guest stars, you know, because it seemed like it was a kind of a large cast and yeah. uh, just, just, you know, kind of one room, a balcony, a mirror and a door for Father Thomas to kind of hide behind for a couple of minutes. Very much a uh, a bottle episode, I guess. Well, more like a stage play in this case, but yeah, <laughs> just um, a couple. I had a couple style notes. Uh, when he, he first comes in, there's the the large picture of the previous dictator, and I was just like, man, I, I really wish that was like Diego the Carpathian. That would be so great, <laughs> <laughs> or some kind of it, or whoever. Um, I don't even know. This is this is kind of how ignorant I am, but whoever was you know, the head of government prior to Fidel Castro in Cuba could have been a, a very similar, uh, inspired by shot. There would have been some inside. Oh yeah. But Maybe two inside. This, this is Central America. So. Oh, that's right. That's right. No, it's... <laughs> the other one. Um, yeah, the, the, this is 1961, right? So his medallion's way too small, but you know, with the beard and stuff, I just uh, make the next, um, Star Trek reference. We were getting so close to Disco Bones, like in nineteen sixty one. So the 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 best McCoy, of course. Being disco. I mean, I know there's been some 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 the novelization of Star Trek the Motion Picture and some other stories, but I don't think anything's canon as to like what exactly Bones was doing when Admiral Degura used that seldom used reserve activation clause. Key in party. other words, they drafted him. Um, what was he doing, man? Like uh, key party, it's the seventies. Yeah, the key party. Man. <laughs> I thought maybe, maybe he was, uh, you know, in a revolution somewhere. <laughs> yeah, a disco revolution. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, if that movie does have a flaw, it's that he, the next scene he shows up in uniform and shaven. So that's that's not cool. These guys are never going to shave in this episode. But uh, no, they're not. How famous was? Well, I mean, neither of us really know. But how famous was Che Guevara in nineteen sixty one? feel like i'm not sure when he really started getting on people's dorm walls did he have to you know die first for that <laughs> I, I have i have no idea i i really don't like that that whole scene uh was um you know kind of a, you know before my time and the whole um yeah he, he just he never showed up on my dorm wall i'll just i'll just say <laughs> that yeah i'm trying to think of when he would have like started appearing Let's see, when I was in high school, and lots of Bob Marley around, but not Shane Guevara. So yeah, seems like a hippie kind of Woodstock, you know, late sixties kind of thing, probably. Yeah, I mean, I read a notable book on him a few years ago, so uh, I, I don't remember who the author or what the name was, but it's supposed to be one of the more definitive ones, and it's quite interesting to to follow um, a revolutionary's career, right? So because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, if, if don't know i mean after the cuban revolution he went and got himself involved in a few african revolutions and uh then a few south american revolutions and that's where the cia sort of caught up with him <laughs> right so yeah uh, i didn't i didn't know any of that so you know fidel castro was living in these large well then at now government buildings where uh che was, was out like in a tent most of the time so uh-huh. <laughs> um i don't know if and the fact that I think uh, he was kind of like they kind of wanted him to go start some other revolution so he wouldn't stay in Cuba and be popular. <laughs> OK, I guess so there was so maybe that was definitely a, you know, connection to the level of uh, paranoia or or kind of 
not i guess not an example of keeping your enemies close keeping your enemies far away yeah or your potential your potential uh uh revolutionary well there's always that guy isn't there i mean i mean when they wrote when uh, rod Serling wrote this episode i mean you already knew about trotsky right (laughs) so you know it's easy to peg him as a as a trotsky i I guess he doesn't come across as the the right hand man and and che wasn't quite a right hand man i mean you know um Pastor his brother for that, right? So, <laughs> yeah, it seemed like in this, Delessandro was the right hand man, and ironically, the first one to be. Uh, uh, I, I don't know if pushing off a balcony is considered an execution, and if he's not a murderer, if he wasn't a murderer, was he a murderer? Because you can't. Everybody knows, Matthew, well, there, you cannot. Uh, you can't murder a murderer; they can only be executed. Well, there is the the theory that um, every head of state is a is a uh, war criminal. <laughs> That's yeah. That's uh, that's an interesting theory. Uh, probably probably has some validity to it. Um, in America, it's like it's like. Let's see, what presidents didn't like technically kill someone? And I'm like, I guess Carter didn't. Maybe I'm they say sure. he was the only guy that there were never shots fired during his presidency, and that there is like in the entire history of the United States, there's been a a a very small number of like single digit years where that's been the case yeah yeah i um i, I think i heard 17 since the okay since 1776 so not too far above single digits <laughs> yeah so single digit on each hand if you had seven fingers on one hand right right <laughs> if you can if you if you're sort of a person who needs to get to 20 and you look at your toes yeah um and it possibly the only president that didn't do it for all four of theirs so other presidents might have had a two or three good years and then like one off year and uh what's the comedian that said like um you know like every every president gets like two free contracts or something yeah (laughs) (laughs) that or one of the things that i thought was really really i think well done in the episode was the the Often unmentioned, although they, they did mention it a couple of times, sound of executions in the background. You oh, know, the man, countdown yeah. and fire and the gunshots, and then again and again and again. You know, and Father Tomas pointed out that it's been going on for a week and uh, the people are growing appalled. I guess that's, uh, you know, you want to see your stuff on screen, but. It- like you're like this was all in one room, but you know you very clearly see like execution scenes and and the two um the two inner circle guys kind of rolling up to the to the base and getting murdered, you know, or assassinated uh-huh. or whatever. Like you see that play out in your head because we see those sorts of things on the news or whatever all the time. So we see oh, yeah. it in other movies, so it's very easy just to kind of extrapolate and uh have it play in your head for this. So yeah, there's there's no reason for you know I mean that was done very well with a phone call where he's you know where um uh the dictator said do it and then he got the call back saying it was done i mean there was no no reason i didn't think at all to to add another scene in there and show something like that that just i think it was done really really well and very uh very effectively i thought too without having having to see it um another thing that got me too was where the uh, Peter Falk at one point said something along, I know what these people are like. All they want is they have a short memory. 
they like, what do you say? They like cheap entertainment and they have a short memory. Something along those lines, which is yeah, you know, kind of kind of right. So, yeah, and I thought I thought that was really really apropos as far as you know how to how many people think of the masses and how to you know manage and govern people when they know that whatever this is, we can we can weather this storm, we can get through it, and we can get on to the next thing. Because at the end of the day, things like this don't get remembered long. You know, we can, even though it's a horrible atrocity, folks will be moving on to the next, the next thing. Yeah. Some, something that got one, he, yeah, he goes basically uh paranoid, psychotic and sweaty within five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, the sweaty is cause it's, it's pretty hot in central America. Central America. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's just, yeah, it, I guess, you know, I just did this, I just did the midnight sun. Uh, and there's such both of them are very sweaty episodes. So <laughs> the, the sweatiest TV you'll come across in 1961. Yeah, the last the last episode we covered I covered with you was uh, I think a hundred yards over the rim, and uh, not as much sweat there because they're out in the desert. It's more of a dry heat. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, it's, it, you know, it's bad if you. Well, yeah, it's just instantly evaporating. That's be quite dangerous. Yeah, um, yeah. The 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 scene with the previous um, despot, I guess, dictator, whatever he was. Um, mm-hmm. I had a couple observations there. One of one of which he's making fun of his his uniform being dirty. I'm like, you, that's your fault. <laughs> it's dirty because if it's not for you, he'd probably be in a nice pressed uh, uniform right now. Um, yeah. And he gets so vindictive. It's like the the Pontius Pilate wash away, except that um, you know, without that David Bowie cool, <laughs> <laughs> that sort of thing. And yeah, I, I he. Was, he definitely did throw the you know it's almost kind of the same it's probably it's probably used time and time again uh, what's sticking to my mind is from hamilton when um king george came out and said all right you're independent have at it now you're going to see how hard it is to lead um you know with one of his you'll be back uh tunes so it's Kind of that same thing. It's like, all right, you're in charge now. It's a lot. It's going to be a lot harder, a lot more complicated than you think. And there are going to be people, people coming for you, and you can see them in that mirror, right yeah, there. I thought of the uh, Return of the Jedi throne room scene a little bit too, where the Emperor's like, "Go ahead, murder, and you know, take your mantle," mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just keeps chiding him along. Uh, of yeah. course, in, in that in that case, uh, the Emperor is still going to technically be on top until until things go wrong for him. But uh, <laughs> but I, I thought right. of that a little bit as well. But yeah, yeah, the mirror that that was a nice scene of uh psychosis, a nice seed. I said seed, nice seed of psychosis for um for the new guy Ramos Clemente, who is not Fidel Castro. <laughs> not at all. But it was interesting because like what what sort of the you know a common metaphor for paranoia is always looking over your shoulder, right? You're always mm. looking over your shoulder to see who's after you. Well, now you have this mirror. And you can look over your shoulder without physically looking over your shoulder, uh, but you're using this mirror to do it. And I thought it was a great metaphor for paranoia and how you can see, uh, again, over your shoulder without looking there and kind of see things that aren't reality because it's a mirror, but it looks an awful lot like reality. I thought it was I thought it was neat. Yeah, and I, I love the fact that the people he's seeing are always the people in the room. Right. 
like if you know i was thinking oh he'll see like you know like people who aren't there but i'm like no he's seeing people that are there and just like you know projecting onto that maybe i mean it's, uh -huh. there's no reason to even think there's anything supernatural uh the film yeah. makes it supernatural because they're you know holding like nooses and, and machine guns and stuff so yeah so it was machine gun the two guys had the knife and then the, the last guy had the the glass of wine um you know i guess i should probably point out we don't know that he was wrong you know i mean maybe yeah. maybe those folks would have come after him with a with a machine gun and two guys would have ganged up on with a knife and another guy would have tried to poison him eventually just not just not then i i don't like, think so i think he was just losing his marbles man it's like the what's, what's the nirvana lyric just because you're not paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you yeah just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you <laughs> whatever i'm sure i we, we bungled that line a little bit but it's cool <laughs> the uh yeah and that glass of wine man that was that was so full that I was, I would have had, uh, I had my suspicions about it too. It's like, who fills a glass of wine to the that high? I might. I, well, uh, actually, <laughs> I, I can't drink wine. I, I will have a massive headache before I finish the wine. So, uh, I live in Japan. I can't really handle Nihonshu, you know. So, <laughs> um, it's yeah. I don't know. There's, it's like a, I'll call it great, but only one kind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got we got pretty uh pretty lit up on sake not too long ago and uh uh just on a night out with the boys. Yeah, see, I'll have massive regrets if I do that. So <laughs> yeah, I seem to remember that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah, the massive regrets. That's cool. Um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. One part death in your cocktail. I guess that's the alcoholic part of it. So <laughs> that's why that's why I like to think at least. Um. Low light mirror gazing. Ever try that? No. That's uh, you kind of um, you know, it's kind of like a meditational technique, but uh, low light, so not completely dark, but not too light, and you kind of stare at your face, and it kind of morphs into other stuff. So I was thinking, it's not that hard to see things that aren't there in a mirror. <laughs> I'm gonna go do that tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, yeah, kind of like a. I mean, it doesn't have to be a candle. Um, you know, I I, I would use maybe this little lamp next to me, but yeah, yeah, you kind of do that for. It, it it can get creepy. It's kind of intense. So uh, it's yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling like if I tried to do this with my wife, like after like five minutes, she would be like crying to get out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But yeah, she, you get to see your she face. She gets melting. scared and freaked out pretty easily. No, I when I've done that, I don't see people behind me, but I'm also very close to the wall, so there it would be impossible for someone to be there anyway. <laughs> but I just I just love like we did the shelter a few weeks ago where there's clearly nothing actually supernatural in the episode at all. Like, right. It's like, is it really the twilight? I mean, it's really more of an Alfred Hitchcock presents in that sort of case. Right. Yeah. Uh, this one, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have anything supernatural, but it's at least presented that way. So, um, you know, it could be a psychotic break or, or a supernatural mirror. So. Yeah. Like, is it even presented that way? Well, just the, the previous dictator is just like, you're gonna that's how it works right and yeah it's present it. yep present unless he was just a match master of uh mind games um psychological gamesmanship yeah or mind games you can call it that too <laughs> <laughs> unless he was just a master of that um yeah apparently uh he may have used it he might have been able to use it more effectively sort of like the the tantalus device that the the mirror captain kirk had uh, uh might have yeah. been might might have kept uh his would be assassins at bay um however uh 
um, the new guy wasn't able to to master it quickly enough. I was trying to work out his logic, which I guess also works for for your mirror universe logic, which is your friends must be enemies because your friends are assassins, but you have no friends. Kind of a uh... yeah. He said you killed your friends. He was like they were assassins, and if they're assassins, <laughs> they cannot be friends. Yeah. So now he has no friends. So yeah. It's yeah. A, uh, if everybody's either an assassin or a would-be assassin. Um, I don't know if you've ever gone down the, the rabbit hole of bad album covers. But <laughs> <laughs> like the worst. But one you'll you'll re- uh, often come across is uh, it's Freddie Gay or Freddie Gage or something. And it's it's has this guy who looks about 30 years old, maybe 20s or something, like knelt down at a gravestone. And the name of the album is like, all of my friends are dead. I, th- I think it's like kind of a um, not a motivational album about the dangers of drugs. Uh, motivational seems like the wrong word. Cautionary. Cautionary album. tale. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But uh, you know, that's that's this guy, right? <laughs> yeah. No, it de- it definitely is, and I I liked the the character of uh, Father Tomas coming in, um, sort of pleading with him for you know, for reason, for mercy, to turn the page, to not be the new boss, same as the old boss. And, um, and just, but sadly, I think his talk, uh, put, um, you know, put, put Clemente, um, <laughs> I was, I was always going to say, uh, uh, yeah, put Clemente over the edge. And yeah. I don't think it definitely, definitely meant to at all. Um, I think he was like literally just trying to help and show him that. I think the one thing he could have done differently, though, was he said to him. All dictators have the same. Ultimate assassin and nobody recognizes it until it's too late. No, nobody recognizes them until it's too late, meaning themselves. <laughs> and I thought just saying one more line, like, don't let it be too late for you. You know, unless he was playing his own mind game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so he might've been, you know, playing mind games too. Cause I kind of thought that that last thing was like, don't, you know, don't let it be too late for you. Like, yes, you're a killer. Don't be a killer today. <laughs> and, you know, maybe the cycle could have gotten broken. Um, but sadly it was not. It ended with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Um, Nice case throw. Of suicide I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> nicest th- nice throw of the uh of the pistol um <laughs> by Clemente into the mirror though. That was uh I mean if that was me, I'd probably need uh, I'd probably need a couple of takes and the director would be like, "Dude, just throw the pistol at the mirror and break it." It's the third time we've had to you know bring in new drywall to repair your your misses. So basically the who's entire career is based on this episode, same as the new boss. Go to the mirror, boy. <laughs> Smash the mirror. <laughs> I didn't think of that one, but but yeah, same as the same as the old boss was definitely. I was going to uh, mention it then, and now we're smashing the mirror, so now we're in Tommy land. So I'm like, okay, I got, I I can't get out of this without bringing up the who. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they would grow notable facial hair in the '70s, of course. So, well, a few. Oh, John Entwistle certainly would. <laughs> yeah, I guess John Entwistle grew it grew it for all of them. No, nah, and John had a beard for a while. Yeah, and John West and Whistle probably looks like he could have could have been cast in this episode. He looks he looks about as Central American as the rest of the guys do. 
Except he'd have to be standing there, like also with that, like Gibson, uh, the, the Thunderbird or Firebird base, whatever it is. He he's got to have that in his hand too. So yeah, and if he didn't <laughs> have it, nobody would know who he was. So just give him a give him an army hat, spray a, a little bit, a little bit of spray sweat, and boom. No, and the bass. Let him keep the bass. Come on. He looks cool with that. <laughs> cool looking instrument. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm having a look through. Oh, yeah. He's like, no one's like uh, entertained by all of my executions. Uh, so one is if you think ap- apathy is a problem now, you know, wait for the 24 hour news cycle. I'm like, well, if you really want your, your executions to sizzle, do them like Aztec style or something, you know? You could do oh, that or, crazy. you know, the guy was, you know, the guy was very predictable. It was like, you know, I think he did a little bit of a countdown, like tres, dos, unos, uno, fuego. That's boring. You know, I mean, a, that, go to the pyramid, little, rip out some hearts, little, toss them down the other side. Yeah. You know, <laughs> or you could just bring in like, um, you know, your pro wrestler type be like, let's get ready to execute. <laughs> You there know, something. There's a way to light it up. Light show. You can have like a light and sound show. Um, but I think probably the best rule would be no executions. You know, yeah. Kind kind of stay away from that. Yeah, um, yeah. Good, good to avoid. But or, and if you're going to do it, at least have like a, a sharp, you know, PR person to uh finesse it for you. So people aren't bored by your executions, which is <laughs> the case here. If they're not <laughs> bored, they should maybe they should at least be uh because i guess the idea is to frighten people right like this is what would happen to you if you go against me right Right. is that the idea or was it just strictly revenge on on the old uh on the old administration i guess it's kind of power absolute power corrupts absolutely sort of vibes right yeah definitely um you know the 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 tail in of in itself though is pretty impressive i mean a year a, one short year from being a, uh, a disgruntled worker of the dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a title for you. <laughs> That's the narrative for Castro, though. If you you know if you want to get into the weird ins and outs and spy stuff, there there is suggestion that he might have been a somewhat groomed you know person, just uh-huh. kind of like how they like oh, was it Lenin was kind of a discreetly shipped in by rail during World War One, which is kind of weird. He was in like germany or something or france or holy cow yeah he's like kind of sent into this uh into russia to to screw things up a bit and which he did quite successfully (laughs) but fidel castro's like origin story is one year from zero to hero from worker of the dirt to occupant of the palace it's pretty yeah it was a pretty quick um rise also they were you know out in the I guess it's a jungle in Cuba. Um, you know, really, really stuck in the in nasty jungles for a lot of that time. And you know, once you know, it's kind of like once you get to the tipping point, things tip, and now you're sitting in the palace. A week earlier, you're out in the woods, right? Or the, right. the jungle. So, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's and and I, I also came across somewhere or is under the impression that um, at at one point Fidel Castro at all did come to the United States and say like, look, this is a dictatorship. We'd like uh, a democracy. Uh, we'd like your help in setting that up. And the answer was no, no, we don't get involved. We, uh, well, yeah, I mean, the, there was such a, a kick in the crotch to, you know, um, corporate America. Cause they had put a lot of money into, into Cuba. I mean, they had, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, all the, all the clubs, hotels, uh, industrial concerns. Uh, it, it really burned the, the, 
the corporate sector when that happened because <laughs> they yeah, just lost uh, all instantly right so uh-huh. yeah so they, they were you know holding a bit of a grudge of their own so <laughs> i guess I'm gonna yeah that's to... that's unfortunate yeah I guess I'll start asking the questions I ask in these episodes. Uh, the first one being, who in this episode enters or goes through the Twilight Zone? Well, like you said before, it's um, it's it, it if if at all, and like you said, it was presented. And I guess I'll I guess I'll take it at at face value that this mirror did have, if we can believe the the um, uh, deposted. That's not the right word. What do you do with a what do you do with a dictator? Depose the deposed yeah. dictator. If we can believe then this this mirror did have some uh Twilight Zone qualities. So I would say that uh and I, I, I have been biting my tongue. I've been trying to say I've been trying not to say Roberto Clemente this whole time. Mm-hmm. But uh Ramos Clemente. I think uh Ramos Clemente went to the Twilight Zone. Yeah, yeah, he'd be a strong contender. Um the previous dictator at least has a little bit of a twilight zone knowledge just being able to play that mind game so well like he's he, he kind of has an air of like even though i'm about to be horribly executed i know what i'm doing <laughs> yeah yeah so like, you have a, sort of a knowledge and maybe a maybe a mastery of it in so far as to being able to use that tool of the twilight zone without going into the twilight zone themselves is his um, the revolutionary cabinet, I guess, are just like victims of the Twilight Zone. In this case, yeah, they, they don't really. Well, they experience their um, their leader, and I, and I guess their friend just like losing it suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um, but that can happen anywhere. Yeah, yeah, you never know when your friend's <laughs> going to go psychotic and 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 kill all of you. Um, <laughs> That's just a Tuesday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they're they're kind of yeah adjacent, but yeah, and this this is definitely a morality play sort of episode i mean some aren't some are more ambiguous but when it's a morality play and it's like do they deserve it it's like well it's a morality play but but if you'd like to add anything to that um it does yeah no i think i think it definitely was yeah i think it definitely was you know what i saw was an exploration of um like knowing yourself and knowing what what your goals are because it's easier, I think, to um, sometimes you know map out that course of action and achieve an objective. And if you haven't planned properly, then you don't know what comes after that. And you know, one example that just comes to mind is you know scaling Mount Everest. Right? It's not enough just to get to the top of the mountain. You've got to know how you're going to get back down. Mm-hmm. And and lots of people have have died on the way back down and because they didn't have that they just thought about how are they going to achieve their objective but not what comes after that and i kind of see that here where clemente knew he wanted to seize power but to what end you know was it to create a more fair uh environment for people to to get to you know live their lives you know uh be granted the rewards of their own their own efforts and their their own hard work you know be able to save and live and you know be happy and you know provide for their families or are they just does he just want these people now to serve him and he doesn't have to work the dirt anymore like what is the ultimate plan and if you don't have one then 
you'll just sort of fall into a vacuum. And I think that vacuum was kind of what he saw in the, uh, in the mirror, um, sort of bolstered by his own paranoia and probably, I mean, let's face it. I mean, in that last year, I mean, I'm sure he killed a lot of people. He saw a lot of assassinations. I'm sure he saw a lot of backstabbing, probably compromised his principles a lot um, over the course of that year to achieve this objective. Um, I mean, that's all a recipe for for trauma. Yeah. And I, I was you know, thinking like a year earlier, he might have had like, you know, he probably had the revolutionary rhetoric, like the people have the power, everything will be spread equally. And none of those statements mean anything if you don't have the details. Right. Um, right. I, I, I've loved recently how um it, it, this is not just them it's probably a lot of things but they ha there's a specific flavor of this i'm going to bring up like uh you know disney copy like on their websites for cruises or theme parks and it's all just and and you know d23 announcements i was like you know ah disney has the magic of the power of dreams and the dreams will recreate your stories which will be magical it's like that doesn't mean anything you're just saying dreams magics and stories it, a lot that's doesn't make sense <laughs> <laughs> i mean i should find it like a specific example but i mean it's just like hey we got to fill a paragraph here people are going to look at like the uh pictures of our nice new cruise ship you know and maybe uh -huh. they'll read this and it needs to like at least not turn them off from the cruise ship i guess so <laughs> yeah um but you know without that commitment to do things you know differently going forward it's just kind of that cycle that's going to repeat and there is you know i had a a professor when I was in grad school, he actually sat on the board that, that reviewed my graduate project. And he's, I'll never forget this. He said, you could have the most altruistic goal in the history of humanity. Like maybe you want to save, you know, the white eared pigeon, like that is they're endangered and you're, you want to make your life's mission to save these animals. So you form the white eared pigeon preservation society. And, as, and now you're the president of the White-Eared Pigeon Preservation Society. And as soon as that society and as soon as that office exists, your goal changes from saving the White-Eared Pigeons to self-preservation. Because yeah, if you're not in charge, you can't do any of the work that's you know going to be required to save these folks. And I think that's what we saw. Maybe he was, uh, you know, had had loftier goals a year ago. But seeing what he's seen over the course of the last year he either thinks or he knows that there's an assassination or an assassin around every corner because he's just been that he's been doing that for the last year. Here, here's kind of a, a twilight zone adjacent sort of metaphor for that, I guess. Um, you know, they, they again, when staring in the mirrors, I do meditation stuff. And, and for a while I was like, you doing stuff to have like lucid dreams. Right. And it's cool. If you have a lucid dream, it's awesome. But I actually, yeah found i prefer vivid dreams because you have uh -huh. a lucid dream and like okay i'm in charge what what now it's like <laughs> well I, I i'd rather let my subconscious throw a really interesting vivid dream at me you know it's like yes yeah like, that's, that's gonna that's... be more imaginative than the one i'm controlling <laughs> yeah i think you're 100 percent right and that's where this guy is like he he's now in control and he yeah like, has no clue what to do about it right so um <laughs> all he knows is that everybody's all he thinks is that everybody's coming after him, just like everybody was going after the last guy. I guess the uh, you know, but of course, the last guy was terrible too, probably. So um, yeah, I mean, but 
here's the here's the weird twist of this episode simply because we're watching it in 2023 is now we know that this guy just kept going on for what 60 more years <laughs> yeah like the cuban I mean, oh no it's not cuba yes it is um <laughs> like you know that revolution technically was very successful because it, it still has not completely ended well i mean the the rain has been successful i don't know well you for know, the goal where... of the revolution yeah yeah i don't know what i mean it, it looks to me a lot again knowing nothing that you know cuba's kind of stuck in the 50s you know, there's there's not real manufacturing down there. There's not real economic growth. I don't know whether the people are happy and 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 healthy and provided for. I I don't know. It just sort of seems like it's a place that's that's stuck in time, um, trying to keep the same cars running for the last seventy years. <laughs> I have a I had a student about ten years ago who uh, it was Japanese. So he, he did, doesn't have like the American embargo and he was a pretty serious baseball player and went to several like baseball trips to Cuba. Uh -huh. So, and, and he was like, yeah, it's, it's kind of, there's little problems with sometimes with supplies and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, obviously on feet on the ground, you're, you know, people after 60 years, people are living their lives. Right. Uh, definitely some flaws in the system, you know, but everyone that's thinks, everywhere. I mean, that's to certain degrees, how many flaws in the system you have. So, um, it, I mean, if it's choose Cuba or North Korea, Cuba is looking a little better than that. So, yeah, I would say so. Food's better. Well, Korean food's pretty good, but yeah. and you know, and I've got friends with dual citizenship that go there on the regular, and they say they love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, honestly, if it would be very charming to see a bunch of old cars on the street. <laughs> oh heck yeah, yeah. This... I mean, although I'm sure they would love to, you know, get their hands on like a Honda Fit as well. So, <laughs> I bet. Where would you like to place this episode on the tripometer? Zero being not trippy at all. Five being extremely trippy. Oh man, I think this might be. While it's and, and again, this this is not, and I'll just say this. This is not a reflection on the episode, right? I think this is a very good episode of the Twilight Zone, um, but I don't think it's a very trippy episode. I think it's probably somewhere around a a one point five or so, um, because. Because really, I'm I'm kind of leaning with that score. I'm leaning into the fact that, or not the fact, the opinion that this was all a manifestation, you know, inside um, Clemente's head. That it was not that that mirror did not have any kind of magical powers, and uh, because of that, I think it was a kind of a more standard um, paranoia is going to get you kind of kind of episode see i'm going for a completely middle of the road 2.5 because like you said what's going on inside his head is extremely trippy because he's uh losing it uh whereas what's going outside is uh brutally real with executions happening right. inside. so yeah to me that's that's a um you know right right in the center so yeah they average <laughs> average each other out <laughs> but yeah yeah it seems to work out for me uh, did you have any final thoughts you wanted to throw out on the mirror? Yeah, I guess. And I did, I had no idea that this that I would even stumble across this, you know, when we when we sat down to record. But um, just just kind of that that philosophy is that if you if you have a goal to if one has a goal to help people or to achieve something or to achieve a position of of influence 
um, it's just as important to keep that dream alive, keep that dream alive <laughs> when you uh, when you achieve that goal and not just succumb to the the trappings of of power and um, position that you've that you've uh, achieved that you know remember what it's like to be that worker in the dirt um, worker of the dirt uh, and to help other folks that that are in the same position you were in then uh, to, to have it a little bit easier to to move up to have opportunities and because uh, it's really really easy to just sort of abandon all those things under the guise of okay I've got to take care of me because if I don't take care of me then I won't be able to help anybody else and then all you're doing is taking care of yourself and you never help anybody else so that's that's sort of my uh my takeaway and something that you know is is going to give uh me a little bit of of refocus on things um you know just just kind of going forward well, yeah polit- politically it's like kind of the you know the catch 22 of, of civilization that the people who want power are probably not the people who are going to be able to wield power well right <laughs> i mean that's all the way back to to plato who's you know put the smart people in charge maybe <laughs> 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 but we're still not really there so and yeah hey, he could be wrong i don't know maybe a plutocracy is just as a dictatorship so <laughs> i mean you we'll see hopefully manifesto. hopefully we'll figure it out right there's you know, there's folks that think there's a fight between two different sides, and I think the struggle is to find the right balance. And in order to find the right balance, the the two quote unquote sides have to have to keep talking to each other and and comparing ideas, and you know, let the best ideas um, let the best ideas uh, take over. Yeah, um, I guess we'll wrap up today. So uh, I I know with the Oroville, you're not like firing on full cylinders but when you do fire your cylinders they're pretty notable these days uh thanks with the, the in-between interviews uh yeah <laughs> we had uh we this. had a really a good one a couple of uh two supplemental episodes ago with brandon braga um in fact we we chatted for about an hour and 45 minutes so we split that into two and uh they're available uh uh mission log the orville and then we just had a really really nice conversation with joel mcneely who is one of four musical composers on the show and uh and he sat down with us talked about the release of the orville new horizons uh soundtrack which is which covers the season three episodes uh 78 songs four plus hours of music um it's it's a lot of fun it really is very uh neat episode and we're gonna um as soon as uh my illustrious co-hosts uh co-host um is and i are able to we are going to sit down and chat about uh the comic books uh that we touched on when we interviewed david a goodman um but we're going to do the mission log treatment on on each one of those as well and we're going to do that while we're waiting for season four which uh i think there's been some rumblings and i'm probably more confident now uh cautiously optimistic that there's going to be uh that there will be a season four and more mission log the orville yeah, streaming world is so weird where, you know, it's like, oh, a lot of people really like this show. Uh, a lot of people are watching the show, but then the show just vanishes because of some weird business decision where because 
everything i guess it's kind of like it's like the commun communism of, of popular entertainment right everything comes from the same pot now more or less yeah so <laughs> I, I look at that and i think okay so hulu i think had a need for the show but does disney have a need for the show you know with disney have an mcu and star wars and um you know and and so much other content and now it's looking like disney may back off its acquisition of of hulu and and folding that in so i i don't know but but you're exactly right i don't think it has anything to do with the quality of the of the show or the number of viewers it's it's how much money is spent on it and you know does it drive subscriptions i think it drives subscriptions um uh, but if people aren't watching um you know for that show will they watch for something similar it's and and the couple of folks that I've spoken to or heard speak about that produce shows for streaming. They have no idea. They don't know if it's, if people like it or if people don't, they don't know if people watching it or if they're not, they don't know if it's making money for the streamer or not. Like all they know is at some point the streaming service will come to us, come to them and say, we want more. And that's <laughs> the only indication that they have. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I was just seeing, I think it was a, um, Ransom out Twitter post yesterday. He's like, please stop asking me when the next season comes out. I'm the last person who gets told this. <laughs> I know you exactly. see my face in the show. I'm the last person to get the news. <laughs> yeah, and we're all uh, we're all looking forward to uh, season two of Strange New Worlds. Um, and on Wednesday nights, we've been doing a rewatch of each episode of The Orville. We're about halfway done with season two right now, and listening. Uh, so you know, kind of the idea is. Some people just show up to chat and that's great. Other people will rewatch the episode. Um, we just did last week um, uh, a happy refrain. And as of this recording and chatted about it. Um, so some people watch the episode I do, and then kind of re-listen to the podcast and we chat about it. And we're working our way through uh, seasons two and, you know, we already did season one and we'll kind of finish up uh, season three. And hopefully that'll kind of kick the can down the road enough to, um, get us to a season four release date. And we're doing that on the on the uh, Roddenberry uh, patrons discord uh, account. So if you want to go to mission log, excuse me, patreon.com slash mission log, uh, you can sign up to be a patron and that'll give you access to the discord. And then you can chat with us on Wednesday nights about the Orville if that's something. And we'd and, love to have you there. And actually we are there too. Time Enough Podcast. We do a bi-weekly Sunday night one where we talk about the last two episodes of uh the twilight zone up here on the podcast um to be really confusing on my own patreon under podcast podcastius where i will also do occasional chats with the patreon so there's like two varieties of chats you know maybe at one time they combine but it's like well i have actual patrons so i just send them invites and let's let's you know talk about it so <laughs> awesome so i you know either either way uh you you we try to in interface with our audience a little more so that's that's fun and a podcast, do a podcast. Yes, we do other podcasts. Uh, we talk about the weird side of Disney films and the occult Disney podcast. Uh, we're just wrapping up a, a run on the on the '60s series, The Prisoner. So, which will definitely screw with your mind. Uh, kind of Twilight Zone adjacent, and uh, we're just starting a new one called Films and Filth, in which we look at the top 100 and the bottom 100 films as rated by imdb users uh so 
you know, the first run of films was Kurosawa's Ikiru, followed by 2001, A Space Travesty, followed by M, <laughs> followed by Ballistics, X versus Sever. And then at that point, I think, uh, Mike, uh, your, your schedule, we're going to do uh, North by Northwest. So uh, you'll be on there relatively. I think you're, you might be the first guest on the show. So great. <laughs> Uh, do get into that uh, for video game listeners. There's the game game show. There's Luke loves Pokemon, and there is a new podcast called uh, Hyrule Field Report about the Zelda games. So I, I believe that I don't know if I said Hyrule right. Hyrule, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not really a gamer. I'm, I'm not on the gaming podcast. I'm on the movie ones. <laughs> Sounded good to me. Okay, so I'm gonna go. Is it screeing? Is that when you stare into the mirror? You're screeing. I think that's. Maybe what they call it. There's some mystical dim, term for doing dim that. light mirroring. Okay, I'm gonna go dim light mirroring. Actually, I'm not because it's morning here, but uh, yeah, maybe you <laughs> are. <laughs> the ground compounds culture to break out through. Yeah.